Welcome back to more Money Minutes for Doctors. This is episode number nine, where we're going to talk about doctors and buying homes. Catherine Vesnes here. I'm the CEO and founder of MD Financial Advisors, and welcome back. So have you been thinking about buying a new home? I know during the COVID shutdown, a lot of people are really tired of their current home and they want to move on. Well, it can be an exciting, but also a monumental task. So one of the things you should be thinking about is where do you begin? So today we're going to be covering everything you need to know to get started, including how to create a budget, finding the right loan, and what actually adds value to your new home. Now, for further questions, or if there's something you'd like us to cover in a future episode, please reach out to us at info at mdfinancialadvisors.com. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and follow us on social media. Once again, that's mdfinancialadvisors.com, and that way you won't miss an episode. Now, if you didn't catch our last episode, we talked about what doctors should be thinking about when it comes to renting a home or buying, and that might be a good place for you to start. For a lot of doctors, renting is going to be the right option. But if you've already done your research, you've decided home buying is the right option for you, then let's get started. So there's a whole laundry list of tasks and things to be thinking about, and it can be very easy to get overwhelmed, particularly if this is your first home. So there are four things I'd like you to be thinking about, whether this is your first home or you're moving on up. So step number one, it's really, really important to know your budget. Now, in our last podcast, I talked about this very rough rule of thumb we sometimes use, which is to make sure your mortgage isn't any larger than two to three times your annual income. So if your current income is 200,000, that would be a mortgage of 400 to 600,000. And a lot of doctors are surprised how low a mortgage is that they can actually afford comfortably with the other things that are going on in their life. Now, I should say I only use this very rough rule of thumb when you have absolutely no student debt and no other debt. And if you do find that you have student debt, then unfortunately, the amount of mortgage you can afford is going to be even smaller. Now, I think a much better and more accurate way to go about this is to do a budget. And if you're one of our existing clients, chances are we did this for you when we first started onboarding you into our process. So if you'd like a copy of that, your old budget, let us know. We'd be happy to either email it to you or put it in your vault. And if you're not one of our current clients, we'd be very happy to send you our template that we use. So let me tell you my philosophy about how I go about this with clients. I always wanna start with the big picture, the big rocks, the big savings goals first. So for most clients, it's saving for retirement and children's education, but it could be other things too. It could be saving for a wedding, new car, house down payment, whatever those big goals that you have that are gonna take a lot of money. So we wanna put those in our budget first and then work backwards and saying, if we're saving for these things that are really important for us, what does that leave for um, clothes, trips, fun, and of course, housing allowance. Because I don't want you to ever be house poor. It's happened to a number of our clients and it's a very, very ugly situation and it can take years to unwind that. So we wanna avoid that at all costs. So that's where our budget comes in. Now I find when a lot of doctors are thinking about buying a home, particularly if it's their first home, they're thinking, well, my rent is 2,500 a month, my mortgage payment is 2,500, it's a wash. 
And I'm like, uh, no, no, there's a lot of other expenses that you haven't thought about. So when we do the budget, here's some of the things that I like to put in in our housing budget. HOA fees. Almost every client I have has got a homeowners association. And so we have to include those, those monthly fees because it's once again, it's something that adds up to your costs. Now, furniture and decorating. Ouch. Yes, very rare do we have a client that wants to move into a place and it's picture perfect. They don't want to change a thing. By the time we add in painting, maybe new carpeting, changing drapes, who knows what, it can really add up. And I also find for some reason, clients are just not comfortable having empty rooms. They want furniture, new furniture, brand new furniture for those empty rooms. But I thought about my parents. My parents were very careful with their money coming from that very kind of uptight German background. And when they bought their new house in Denver, Colorado, uh, when I was in junior high, we had an entire living room and a dining room that had no furniture in it for a couple of years. We had the house, but they were not going to be buying any of that furniture until they could pay cash. One of my father's great sayings was, if you can't pay cash for it, you don't need it. And it's actually something that's really helped me today stay very financially secure. Now, another item you need to be thinking about in your budget is maintenance and repairs. Uh, the rough rule of thumb is whatever the value of your house is, that you spend one and a half to 2% per year on run-of-the-mill maintenance. Um, unfortunately, I think I'm way over that. In the last 12 months, I've put in a new furnace, two new hot water heaters. Um, I put in a new dishwasher, a new oven. None of these were things that I really wanted to do, but they all kind of... Uh, fell apart at the same time. And I was re required, of course, I can't go without uh, hot water or uh, a furnace. So these were things that we absolutely had to spend money on. I have not yet had the guts to run the amounts to figure out what it comes to. I'm sure it is well over $12,000 in the last year. And it's nothing fun. It's not like a brand new kitchen, right? Or some fabulous new furniture. No, it's just the basic run of the mill repairs. And hello, in my house, that's about $1,000 a month. It really, really adds up. And as I mentioned, if you're buying a new house and you want to do replacing the floors or other items like that, that can get even more expensive. So make sure that that's in part of your budget going forward, because believe me, those appliances do wear out and you always have to repair them. Yes, I re replaced my furnace on the coldest day of the year. Now, something else to think about is household help. Cleaners, for instance. Very few of our clients um, want to be cleaning their own house, and I certainly agree with them. To me, this is an item I always want to make sure we've got plenty of money covered because I don't want to be doing those cleaning jobs either. Along the same line might be lawn services. I only have one orthopedic surgeon who mows his own lawn. So if that's something you want to be thinking about, if you don't want to do it yourself, then we better put some money in the budget. Other things to think about are internet, utilities like heat, uh, water, uh, garbage services, all of those utilities need to go in. And of course, the big one, real estate taxes. On my own house, which I purchased about 20 years ago, I've noticed that the real estate taxes have more than doubled in that time period. So make sure they're in part of your budget too. All right, so now that we know your budget, you've put in the real cost of this house, 
Now we know what we've got a range on what you can actually spend on the mortgage. So we're going to go to step two, which is finding the right mortgage. By the way, we're more than happy to work backwards with you. We've got a little quick and dirty calculator where we can put in the value of the house. We can put in uh, the estimated down payment, interest rates, and we can come up with some rough estimates on what we think your principal interest taxes and insurance can be. Now, one of the things I almost always recommend is that you consider a doctor loan. Uh, unfortunately, this does not work for our clients who are psychologists or physicians assistants, but it can be a great, great option for our doctors and our dentists. And the reason is these lenders so want your business. Why? Because they know it's very unlikely that you are ever, ever going to go bankrupt and default on this loan, that they will offer you some super duper special deals. A special deal very typically might be a 5% down as opposed to a 20%, which might be required for regular folks like me. Now, 20% down, I know some people really feel strongly that you've got to put that 20% down into that, into that house. Rarely do I think that's a good idea. Now, it's true with a 20% down, we are likely to avoid private mortgage insurance. That's abbreviated PMI. And if you've not heard about this, private mortgage insurance is something that the loans require when you have less than a 20% down payment. Here's the reason why. They're concerned that the real estate market may go down. Your house is going to go way down in value. You might default for some reason. They'd be left holding an asset that is not worth what the balance on the mortgage is when they sell, when they sell it out. They can protect themselves with private mortgage insurance and they pass that cost on to you. It's true you can avoid private mortgage insurance usually when you have a 20% down payment because they have enough equity that they're not worried about being at risk. Well, here's one of the great things about doctors and doctor loans is they don't require you to have private mortgage insurance even if you're putting down less than that 20%, even if you're putting down only 5%. And sometimes with doctor loans, sometimes you can actually put down zero. Now, why do I prefer for you to put down a smaller amount? Well, let's go back. We talked about the research that had been done in residential real estate in the United States from 1890 up until last year by a Yale professor by the name of Schiller. And he found that residential real estate in the United States only increased slightly above inflation during that entire time period, way over 100 years on average. Now, sure, you can get short periods of time where it's going to be higher or lower, but on average, slightly above inflation. Let's just call that four or four and a half percent just to be in the ballpark. Now, if we compare that with investing in the U.S. stock market, it's the U.S. stock market since the 1920s has averaged nine or 10 percent per year. So for most of our clients, I would say, let's put the minimum down, use that uh, rest of that money that you may be allocated for your down payment. Let's invest it because historically over time, you're gonna be doing much better if it's invested than if it's tied up into your house. Another problem with putting the more money down is what happens if in the future you need to access that? Maybe you've been through your emergency fund, you've got some horrible financial need, you really need to do that. The only way you can get the money out of your house is to borrow it, right? It's your own equity, but you have to borrow it from the bank and there's gonna be a charge for that. 
And if you've lost your job, they're not going to approve you because they're not going to be lending to somebody who doesn't have a job. So once again, I prefer the liquidity options of having that money out and in your investment accounts, or your bank accounts, someplace you can get at it rather than tied up in your home. Now, once again, this can vary from client to client. So we want to make sure that we're doing what's right for you. Another thing to think about when it comes to the mortgage is do you want a fixed loan or a variable loan? So fixed loan, the interest rate will stay exactly the same for that time period, whether it's 15 years, 20, 30 years. And what's nice about that, let's assume a 30-year mortgage here, is that payment on the first month is exactly the same as it is at the last month at the end of 30 years. So if today you're paying $3,000 a month on your mortgage, it's going to feel like $3,000, of course, in today's dollars. But 30 years from now, $3,000 a month might feel like only $1,000 a month due to inflation. It stays absolutely level that entire time. Now, an ARM or an adjustable rate mortgage, very typically the interest rate is fixed for maybe five or seven years or so. And at the end of that time, it can fluctuate. Now, first of all, make sure you look at the terms really, really closely. Because I had an adjustable rate mortgage on my house for many years, and honestly, it was fine. It's true it could adjust, but not more than so much per year, and I really didn't think I was ever at risk. Now, that's not always the case. I've had doctors have tons of problems with adjustable rate mortgage, where it was low at first, and then with, uh, according to the terms, at the end of the period, it zoomed way up and was a crazy interest rate. So once again, look at the terms very, very carefully. Now, there's a couple of times when I think you should actually consider an adjustable rate mortgage. And that's if you're only going to be in this house five to seven years, you think it's not your dream home, or maybe you're in fellowship, you know you're going to be moving, then it might be worthwhile to take a slightly lower interest rate because you know you're going to be leaving this house. There's no point in getting a 30-year mortgage or a 15-year mortgage if you're going to be leaving in a very short period of time. Now, recently, the interest rates have been so low a lot of our clients have refinanced. In fact, I refinanced my own home mortgage this year at a 2.37%, much to my shock that it was that low. Uh, and because these loans are, the interest rates are so low, a lot of clients are now looking at 15-year loans instead of 30. And I think that's fantastic because you might get that house paid off that much sooner. So something to consider. And once again, we're happy to run some numbers for you if you've got any questions about that. All right, moving on to step three. How do you find the right house? Well, one of the questions I always ask my clients is, is this your forever home? Do you see yourself in this house for like five years or more? Is this the place where your family can grow, the kids can grow up, the grandchildren are going to want to come there? Uh, maybe you're thinking about having more kids in the future. Those are all things to be thinking about. Or is this just a starter home or a temporary home? That makes a big, big difference on how much you spend on the house and how much you do in improvements. And the issue of improvements is something you really need to consider. Um, I have a doctor recently who has a house worth about 300,000 and they really wanna put another 300,000 into the kitchen. Now this sounded like a fabulous kitchen to me, it sounded awesome, but it's not something I'd recommend doing if you think you're gonna be selling that house in five or 10 years. You're just not going to get your money back. Now, if this is your forever home, you're going to be there for the rest of your lives, then, you know, it might be something that's very worthwhile to invest in. 
A lot of your improvements, you're not going to get the return on investment. Um, once again, I learned this the hard way. Take landscaping. When we built our house, we actually got an, um, a bid for landscaping. Yes, it was $100,000. I'm not kidding. I was like, you've got to be kidding. $100,000. I go online, do some research. Did you know that the return on landscaping is actually zero? So I can assure you there was no way I spent $100,000 having my uh, yard landscaped in my brand new house. Now, there are some things that personally are very important to me. Uh, one is I'd always spend the money for a security system. Very, very important. Keep your family safe. And these have gotten a lot more sophisticated and frankly, a lot cheaper recently. Uh, the other thing that's important to me is a sprinkler system for the lawn because I do not want to go out there moving the hose around to make sure it gets properly watered. So anyway, that's just my personal opinion. You figure out what's really important to you. Now, certain things like kitchens, uh, updating bathrooms, et cetera, can have a little higher return of an, on investment. Fixing up a best, uh, basement, maybe, maybe less. So what I would do is go online, check things out, and see what you think is the rough rule of thumb in your area. Maybe even check with a realtor to see what they think the likelihood is that you can get a return on your investment for whatever you're thinking about remodeling. All right, step number four, no surprise, is going to be stick to your budget. By that, I mean, don't feel like you've got to furnish every single room, every way, every way, right away. And hello, I'm not opposed to buying consigned furniture. I've gotten some amazing deals buying used consigned furniture that looks brand new. I actually bought a little settee once. It's um, a smallish sofa. It was upholstered in silk, if you can believe it. And I think my cost was like $200. So it's amazing the things that you can get at used furniture stores or consignment or maybe online with Craigslist. So check that out. It can be a great way to save some money. And another question you want to ask yourself when you finally sticking to your budget and you've got some extra money in your budget, isn't that wonderful? Should you put it towards the principal or should you invest in your retirement plan? Um, most of the time, I don't think clients should be prepaying their mortgage. In other words, putting this towards their principal. Uh, the reason is, as I mentioned before, investing it usually gets you where you need to be faster and with a greater return. Once again, I might feel differently about this if you're getting really close to retirement and there's a, some other reasons that you want to have that house paid down. Then in that case, we might want to consider it. Once again, we want to look at the options. So in conclusion, yes, home buying can be scary. I hope this gave you some ideas to be thinking about to take a lot of fear out of going forward with your next home purchase. But if you take some of these steps in the beginning, you can actually feel a lot more financially secure every step along the way and avoid being house poor. Now, let us know if you'd like our team to put together a home purchase budget for you. Very happy to do that. And then we can also make a recommendation for a mortgage officer that does doctor loans. Now, in case you're wondering, we don't get any kickbacks or any commissions or anything when we refer you out to a doctor loan. It's just people that we've vetted on your behalf that we think do a really good job with our doctors and we feel like it saves you, saves you time. So that's why we're very happy to make those recommendations. So in closing, please follow us on social media. And if you found this helpful, I'd so appreciate it if you forward it to your colleagues. I think if you've listened to other of these podcasts, you know I have a mission 
and that mission is helping doctors feel a lot more financially secure every day. I want them to have a sense of peace about their finances. So the more people I can help, the better. If you've got questions or other topics you want us to consider, please send them in because once again, I feel like that's something I can do to help bring some peace in your life. So finally, you can reach out to us directly for a second opinion on your financial health. And you can do that by emailing us at info at mdfinancialadvisors.com. So please stay healthy and prosper.